This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, isn't it about time your printer got smart too? Now printing is smart with HP+. And the HP Smart app is how it all happens. You can print from your phone with just a tap, no matter where you are. Even from your garage slash home office slash yoga studio. Huh, that is smart. HP+. Learn more about smart printing at hp.com slash smart. This episode is brought to you by PayPal. These days, choices are everywhere. Like, for instance, the milk in your coffee. Would you like it from a cow? A nut? A tree? Everyone wants options. And now your customers have a new option in the way they pay. With PayPal in person. Just generate your unique QR code in the PayPal app for them to scan. And start accepting PayPal in person today. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. unknown to the known and with enough stories through it all the band are still touring still running music for the fans that continue to come out night after night and all over the world jim agreed to take a trip down memory lane and there's no better place than here so jim welcome to the podcast oh thanks for having me <laughs> um what what got you in into music was it a was it a parent was it a brother um you know and was it someone that kind of showed you maximum rock and roll or someone gave you a mixtape and that that was it <laughs> Uh, hmm. Well, my dad played guitar, like, very early on, so that's probably my, my first, my first, uh, exposure to music in general. And then my parents, uh, you know, made me take piano lessons, <laughs> which is, I think, every, every little kid should probably take piano lessons just to kind of see if they have an aptitude for it. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, that, and also, um, I think maybe, like, the early days of, like, MTV, Mm-hmm. Like seeing, uh, seeing like uh, Quiet Riot videos, <laughs> you know, like the, the, the kind of theatrical, theatrical metal. Like you know, you know, like the. I mean, come on, that just looks badass. You know, like the. You're the, like, I want to do this. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, you know, seeing like the uh, the uh, air, airplane hangar uh, sets with like you know beyond like the you know Thunderdome kind of like. Set up with the scorpions playing and yep, fire, insane. <laughs> Got fire, explosions, dudes with swords. <laughs> Man of War too. You probably watch Man of War, right? Yeah, yeah. And just the whole theatrical metal thing, I think, was 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 influential to me as a, as a kid. And then, I mean, like, from that, learning about new bands, what did did it start with metal, um, and then kind of lean to punk, and then into hardcore? Then you know, did it kind of go that route? Yeah. Yeah, I always start. Well, it was kind of like more, 
I mean, the, the metal stuff is kind of what gravi- what maybe gravitates toward wanting to play guitar. Um, uh, but but I mean, but at the same time, I was also like buddies with with um, people who had like cool older brothers and sister. I'm 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 the oldest of 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 uh, my siblings, and um, um, so I didn't have like an older brother to turn me on to cool stuff. But I hung out with a lot of other kids who did. And, you know, that's how I found out about, like, people like Violent Femmes and Jesus and Mary Chain and, you know, skate rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, like, yeah, I think, like, skateboard culture kind of took me from metal into hardcore, you know. Yeah, I, I feel or, like... I, or thrash, anyway. Yeah, I feel like that that sort of progression has been really similar with a lot of people in this time frame. So it's just interesting that it's so many people kind of had that same progression. Um, I'm sure it happens to a lot of different people, but specifically to this time frame, um, it's very interesting to hear that. Yeah. And I think any guy, especially around my age, um, probably has like a, a, a secret like metal phase that um, from which most other music spawned. Yeah. Most, most other tastes spawned. Um, do you remember the first time that you sang live in front of someone? In fifth grade, I had a, uh, we, we had a, a Violent Femmes influenced band. That's awesome. <laughs> we didn't, we didn't really, we didn't really perform anywhere, but we were, we made recordings. And, uh, and, uh, that was probably the first time I experimented with, with, uh, you know, singing, playing, writing. There has to be video of that. I'm just kidding. No, no. I'm just although, kidding. <laughs> although we did, although me and one other guys in the quote-unquote band, we did, uh, we did, we did, we did, uh, we did uh, call up a girl he wanted to ask to go with him and and sing her a song, and that was it was successful. So, I guess we we did have one audience member. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 funny. It's really funny. So it's so it's so totally worked. So your show of one worked. Yep. It's oh, yep. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the I guess from you know kind of just early stuff. Do you you know the kind of the first record that you owned? Was there any kind of special moment or you know time or do you remember going to the record store or someone handing it to you or? I remember. Um, yeah. I think early, I, I would, I, my parents would let me buy like a cassette every week, you know, like, which was, which was pretty cool. Like I remember, um, actually this was kind of back in the, uh, when it, when, when I started kind of showing my parents that I wanted to really, you know, to, to learn guitar and, uh, instead of, in, instead of, you know, continuing with piano, um, you know, uh, I would go to lessons and, you know, on the, you know, those days it'd be, it'd be like in a different part of town and there'd be a music store and we'd always kind of, you know, I would, I would buy a cassette a week. And I remember one week where, I might have told the story before, but it's, it's, it's pretty pivotal. Like I had, in one hand, I had Def Leppard's Power Mania and in the other hand, I had Nina's 99. And I think, I think if I had gone with Nana, my life would have been much different today. It's like the defining point where, you know, the rest of my, you know, rather the rest of my musical uh, career was kind of determined from that from that choice. 
Wow, I like uh, that. Yeah, so that's that's kind of yeah. So I think maybe like my first records were cassettes, like you know, Def Leppard, Pyromania, High and Dry, Quiet Riot, Little Help, Twisted Sister, Stay Hungry, you know, like those kinds of things. Uh, oh, Violet, the first Violet Sons, you know, album, Van Halen, you know, basically basically stuff that like was popular and had you know guitar based guitar based rock, mm-hmm. you know. Not super on the heavy side yet, but a guitar based rock. Yeah, I, that makes that makes sense. I mean, the first record for the first record for me or band that was was Helmet. It kind of, I was like, this isn't really metal, but it's heavy, but it's not. <laughs> it's kind of both. Um, oh yeah, yeah Helmet, Helmet blew my mind when that first album came out. You remember the first show, or first kind of actual kind of show that you went to and felt like, wow, this is amazing. This is. Please tell me it's Def Leppard because then that completes the circle. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, well, I mean, my dad took me to, uh, uh, like, I don't think my, I think my mom didn't want to go out, and my dad really wanted to go see Paul Simon play. So it was like, it was like pre Graceland. It was just him solo, you know. Um, I think it was my first concert, but I mean, I think more in line with what you're asking was uh, probably going to see Seven Seconds play. Nice. Um, under, uh, I think. I think they had just gotten back together and they were touring again. And it was, it was, uh, you know, we went with, uh, I'm not sure if my parents even knew we went. <laughs> it was like a scummy part of him. But, um, yeah. Well, yeah, I think I think the, those kind of first shows, those kind of pivotal moments, you know, if it's if it's going to see those shows and, and feeling something, um, you know, obviously now everything's coming back around again. Um, and you know, reunions are happening, bands are back touring. Um, why now? Is it, I mean, a lot of people have a lot of ex- explanations. Me, I think the, they got older. They wanted to relive the kind of the, that time and everyone's old enough where they can get a babysitter and go see the show. What, what do you feel that kind of, why now is that, that time or is it all just cyclical and in 10 years we'll be seeing the same thing happen? Yeah. That's well. I mean, you have you have you have people in like the the uh, you have people in my grade. You have people in the you have the, you have the you know getting back together and 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 doing tours and albums. And you have people you have the older kids getting back together and doing albums and stuff. And uh, I don't doubt that we'll see the uh, the freshman class coming along soon and getting back together and playing shows. I think it's just. It, it, it is sort of cyclical. I think that you, um, I don't know, it's natural to, to want to celebrate work that you're proud of. Um, I mean, uh, people dissolve their, their acts, you know, their, 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 um, their groups for whatever reason. And I think time heals a lot, heals a lot of that, you know, and then it's just fun, you know I mean? For a lot of, for a lot of people, like, especially around, um, Especially in the, in the kind of scene that, that we were involved in, I think. Um, I mean, that's when that's when we were, you know, kids figuring it all out for the first time. It's kind of nostalgic, uh, you know, period in our lives, and it's it is kind of nice to to uh, reexamine that and mm-hmm. be able to be able to appreciate it. You know, <clears throat> I mean, I, I do that. I mean, I do that all the time because we've never broken up. But yeah. <laughs> But well, in, in the in, in the, the in the times where we are working on really old material, or we're doing like a um, 
like an we're performing like an entire like older album or something like that. It's it, it it's you you can definitely appreciate the 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 moment more, you know. Does it does it take you back? Like if you're doing something off Static Prevails that you haven't done in a while, you're like, holy shit. <laughs> or is it? Sometimes, wow, yeah, I totally sometimes. forgot it. <laughs> we don't really we don't really play a whole lot of Static stuff anymore, but but um. That's the thing. Like if you did, like you'd probably bring up a lot of sort. You'd be like, okay, what was that again? Or what was what was I feeling at that moment? It, I think it'd be more like, why the hell do we write this and put it here? <laughs> like, what, what the hell were we thinking? And why were, why were we on a major label again for this kind of a record? Like, what? <laughs> you do you know? guys like, think that a lot? Do you look back at that record and go, what? what were, were you oh, we had no, yeah, we had no business being on, on Capitol. We had no business being on a major label with the kind of material that we were coming up with and with our uh, our um, market uh, positioning our our rabid fan base of 3,000 people who had bought <laughs> various combined who had bought various like 7 inches that we put out but from that would you think that clarity would have you know happened out of that I mean I think those kind of go hand in hand I think I don't know. I, I I sometimes think about it. If it's if it's the if that didn't happen, would have you guys have had the opportunity? Or because I feel like you know, Clarity was a pretty big, big big budget. I assume, or at least had a lot of uh, you know oomph to it from label side. Well, I think we we approached making that record like we would never get a chance to make another record in an actual studio again. So we did go kind of nuts and like you know, all right, today we're renting timpani. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what we're doing, but we're getting tubular bells, wood blocks, timpani, uh, xylophones. You know, just that that record seemed to you guys brought the kitchen sink, and it it definitely worked. It seems pretty tame though. Now, you know, like in comparison, I mean, there's there's just definitely experimentation with like using uh, production as as uh, dynamic enhancers for the song sake, you know, but but it's pretty tame compared to what a lot of people are doing. Mm-hmm. You know, what we thought, what we thought was, was like really pushing the boundaries for us back then would have been like, like it was really weird that we put a tambourine on something. Like it's out of like, yeah, that's, that's not punk. <laughs> what, what, what's that? Come on. Oh man. We really sold out now. I got a tambourine on song. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean like, but that was like, the, that was like, you know, us pushing the boundaries of our self-perception back then was yeah. tambourine. Um, yeah, no, I think, yeah. I think you know, having sort of that progression of you guys, you know, thinking that you shouldn't have been on, you know, Capital will be doing this record. I think, you know, I think kind of going back to some of the early touring um, stuff. I mean, there's a story that goes around that I think Eric's mentioned that I wanted to kind of corroborate with you and if it's true or false. I mean, when you guys were early on, you know, punk stuff – was you know was seeing Christy Front Drive that sort of pivotal shift where you were saying wait a minute, um, or was it you know the Mineral Guys or what kind of you know what band or was that just I'd like to kind of hear your story sort of that kind of turning point because you guys were you know kind of a pretty rad punk band <laughs> first off. Well, I think we just got exposed to a whole lot of stuff. I mean, we we um, <clears throat> I think when you're starting out. In your, you know, finding your niche with with you know, collaborating with other people, 
in writing music and you know performing and playing. I mean, we were kind of figuring that all out at the same time, um, you know, within, within ourselves or our, our 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 band. And um, you know, we just kind of what we played was not dissimilar to our record collections at the time. You know, so there was a lot of propaganda and face to face and uh, but also like Rocket from the Crypt and Super Chunk. You know, so there was there was like Again, it was, it was kind of like guitar-based, guitar-based rock, but it was kind of more on a, um, you know, the accessible versus challenging, uh, you know, ratio was kind of like, you know, always in, in, in kind of question. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was definitely, but it was definitely like, it was definitely faster and it was definitely more aggressive. Um, and I think, uh, I don't know, just kind of, kind of over time, I mean, there was like, right when I got out of high school, I mean, maybe Eric told you about this, but um, you know, it was it was sort of like a, uh, my my soon-to-be college roommate decided he wanted to be a record label. So poof, he was a record label, and uh, me and another two other buddies of mine decided that we would be promoters. So poof, we were promoters, and uh, <laughs> I really feel bad for anyone anyone that we booked, but. Uh, looking back, but um, you know, we got a, you know, we got exposed to a whole lot of different stuff. Um, you know, some of it like a lot of it hardcore, a lot of it um, just different. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, just just kind of, and, and it really like you can't. I mean, we're none of us. We we aren't like angry people, so it's kind of like the aggression of it all kind of gave way to just trying to trying to explore. I don't know. I think that that's kind of what we we had in mind. I mean, Christy French Drive, Christy French Drive really did kind of open up, you know, Christy French Drive, Sunny Day Real Estate, bands like that. It's like, those were people that were on the same level of, um, you know, I guess like, you know, just, they were in the popular musical um, samplings that, we were around, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, of course, like as music fans, we just assimilate as much as we can of everything that we, you know, that interests us. And you know, some of it, some of it, got expressed through what we were doing as like, you know, exploring melody and and, and slower and more moody kind of uh, uh, songs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't no. know if that answers your question. No, it but... totally does because it's like the you know, I mean, Eric, um, I think you know, embarrassed you a bunch. I mean, I think on the podcast, I think this is your chance too, um, to embarrass Eric. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, he, you know, just, you know, spoke about meeting you guys and, you know, talking about your hair and all these kinds of things and just, you know, how different it was. And, um, it really was that time of, you were really exposed to so much stuff at that time and it was coming at you so fast and there wasn't a, you know, a, a web search. It was, I saw the band or I read it in the liner notes and I'm going to check out that band because they mentioned them or now, Oh, Sensefield's cool or braids cool. Um, or well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, or MRR had a column where a dude raved about, about some band and you know, I got to go find their seven inch now. Yeah. And it was this search thing. It was this quest to go look. And I, I think that's, I'd like to get you kind of take, I mean, it, it, it took a little oh, yeah, effort. The record, it, store, the record store was like, you know, it took effort. Uh, uh, a kick-ass record store it was like a holy pilgrimage, you mm-hmm. know. Like there was a spot in Tucson, in Arizona, called Toxic Ranch, 
Um, and um, I think it was toxic shock. I think it was toxic branch. But it was it was like there was a, a a venue called Downtown Performance Center, and it was like an all ages no alcohol kind of you know spot. It was really cool. And there was a record store next to it that always had, without fail, anything that you were looking for. So it was like this, you know. Um, and, and also, you know, there was there were spots all around town in Phoenix too, like Eastside Records and Stinkweed Records. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it was always like it was a holy pilgrimage to go to these spots and like load up on the things that you couldn't find anywhere else. Um, so that was a big part of of of. Uh, that experience you know it wasn't easy <laughs> it's, it's never been a better time to be a music fan than right now where you can just like click 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 oh yeah hmm, Pink Floyd discography click I want to I'll listen to all of it it's it's like oh well that band connects to that band and then that oh okay I, I get it well that took me a month and three shows and two seven inches you know <laughs> and then you know an issue with Metal Maniacs or whatever yeah yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I had to like, <laughs> I had to knock down walls of the sledgehammer and and set up the milk crate stage so I could, you know, hear what hear karate for the first time. <laughs> you know, like that's kind of. Uh, yeah, yeah, karate was the first band I ever interviewed for my one issue, my two issue zine <laughs> that I did in high school. Oh, really? Yeah. They, oh, wow. Yeah. Eamon agreed to do it over email. Um, and uh, they were on tour with Fugazi in Vermont, and he did the interview for me. It was like one of those things where I'm like, I don't know why you agreed to this, but thank you. <laughs> Your band is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like, I mean, that's how, I mean, getting back to that the whole thing, I mean, that's how I met Eric and the Christy Prentrap dudes and, and you know, our, our really lame production company that we had. And, like, he'd, he'd send us copies of the record and, you know, get a show. Or, and Karate sent us, like, it's kind of like a cassette of like demos. Wow. Of like early version. Like I wish to God I still had it because it was awesome. There was like, there was one song they did called Dating is Stupid. That was just awesome. To this day, I want to find it. Oh, but wow. It was like early, early, early version of like Cherry Coke and, mm-hmm. you know, like six instrumental songs. They were just bizarre. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I know. I need to go hunt that down somewhere 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 someone has it and... Jeff has it. Jeff Jeffrey has got it somewhere in his house, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe. You know? Um So th- yeah. I mean back then it was I mean it was all about, you know, the the split seven inches, the the splits, the you know, joint tours. There were those things are you know, of course the emo diaries too. Um I mean, I think I've you probably heard on the podcast or I've mentioned uh, the band I was in was on the seventh one, not as cool at all. Um, did that open doors for you guys being on that? Um, were there things that kind of came from that I people hearing I, it? I mean, well, like Eric was saying, like if I mean, it, it, if someone was calling, if someone knocking on your door wanting to put out music for you, I mean, you pretty much just took that because it that was in, an incredible thing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I mean, our loftiest goal in the world when we started the band was to have our music on a on a seven inch. Wow. <laughs> You know, I mean, like that's, then you, then you, then you're like, you did something, man. You made something. Yeah. And um, the, um, I mean, I think that's the, the, like doing split records and uh, you know, networking with bands, helping them when they came to your town. You know, doing regional things with them when you were in their area. I mean, 
that all was like the main way that you did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and still to this day, I think that's probably like the, the best, the best way you can make an impression on somebody is to just go and play for them. Yeah, definitely. And then have, have your, have their friends, you know, evangelize for you on your behalf when you're gone. So that the next time you come to town, there's more people. Yeah. Or, the, the, know, the, play the, different place or, the first time yeah. there's five, the next time there's 15, you know, those five people told a bunch of their friends and then they all came out. Yeah. And it, and, and it definitely grew. I mean, it felt like a, you know, an actual fan base mm-hmm. instead of a, in, in, instead of a like. Right. Right. It's not a passive thing, man. All these, all these kids are like, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure that like some of the spots, that we played are kind of like, you know, you're, none of us could get, I mean, well, um, you know, you can't get into a bar and, uh, <clears throat> you know, so here's, here, and, 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 and these, these places are, you know, just kind of wherever, you, mm-hmm. whoever they can exist, you know, even fleeting. Um, you know, we, we, we never played one of these shows, but I've heard of other people playing like in the post office. Wow. <laughs> Late at night because they had outlets and it's unlocked, and they would just like set up and do punk shows like in in uh, like you know like a uh, like a mailbox <laughs> kind of area in the post office, <clears throat> and then just bail. I think that I think that might be like a rural Arizona thing. Yeah, it's sort of the VFW hall for Arizona. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean it took it took a, it took a lot of effort to 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 do that. You know, I mean. As a as a music fan, even yeah, I don't know the effort behind it. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, putting out those records, distributing them, uh, making sure all the people had them. Um, you know, having stuff at the shows, all that stuff was. It's not just like, oh, we'll just go to our site. You can listen to us. <laughs> you had to do something. Um, I you know I think too. I think probably you got asked this a million times. Um, you know, during Bleed American and stuff. I mean, the word emo itself initial thoughts when you had heard the word um had you any idea did you any any sort of understanding of it and you know since was it is it something that was like you know kind of a blessing in disguise kind of thing for me i think when 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 someone says hardcore um that could mean something really different if you grew up in long beach or if you grew up on long island you know Mm mm-hmm so, and for 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 me, from my perspective in Arizona, you know, hardcore was always synonymous with like uh, the kind of more screamo hardcore. I mean, like, and I guess like emo was never really used, but but that is kind of what you know, I think in other places. The kind of stuff that I would consider hardcore was being labeled, being called emo mm-hmm. in other places. Um, you know, I think like. And, and, and that specific kind of sound for me were, were bands like Julia or uh, Mo Hinder or Policy uh, of Three, Shotmaker, like the yep. Abolition stuff, Gravity stuff, uh, Quick Attack Italia would be one. Like, like you know, thing like this Frail. Like bloodletting. What's that? Frail from Philly? Yeah, Frail. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Frail, like the, the, the um, you know, I mean, the, the sort of like uh, performance art, bloodletting, mm-hmm. basically. You know, like with, with art. That's what. That's what I think of whenever I would hear the word emo. 
as we, you know, kind of got bigger and people were, were you know, throwing that word around to mean, uh, to mean, uh, you know, a haircut. Yes. <laughs> and and uh, a white belt and a haircut. Like, that's, yes. that's kind of, um, I never really got that. I mean, I can understand why why people wanted to kind of, I mean, everyone wants to take credit for, for, for breaking the, 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 the story on the next big thing. And I can understand why people want to give it a, a name like that. But for me, it, it's, it's sort of, unless you're talking about, you know, you know groups like, I'm just talking about bands like from that time and that era and, and, and like, and it's sort of, it doesn't mean the same thing to me. I mean, I don't know. Everyone, but then again, you know, you get a room full of people and ask them what punk means. You'll get a room full of different answers. So it's kind of not really, um, it's sort of a lazy way, I think, of, of describing uh, a scene or a sound because it really doesn't, I mean, hell, man, darkness on the edge of town is pretty emo when he gets down to it. Yep. But, but no one's going to no call the boss an emo act. You know? Nope. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean it, it. It it did turn into sort of a um, you know a haircut and a style, and that's kind of the inspiration behind the website that I started. I'd just be like, look, there's these bands before that. Yes, it came from you know it all kind of came from hardcore, and it's you know had this cycle to it, and that's kind of been the inspiration. Um, and of course now, I don't know if you know, but there's a lot of bands and labels that are sort of. Um, talking and sort of referencing bands before that sort of hair era. Um, uh, Count Your Lucky Stars, Top Shelf Records, um, a bunch of bands kind of... It's It's been really interesting to see them say, oh, well, my favorite band is, you know, I really love Engine Down, you know? And you're like, what? You know, how did you know about that, you know? But they searched it out and they figured it out and they found out about them. Um, I think that's really interesting that they can quickly find out about it uh, <laughs> faster. <laughs> Oh yeah, 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 totally. I mean, there's, there's, there's a. Uh, I mean, like I said before, it's never been a better time to be a, a music fan because you can hunt down these like niches and of of like a of a of a scene that was you know no bigger than fifty people in a basement. Yep. And you know, find something there that might, you might be into. You know, it's, it's great. Yeah, no, it's definitely exciting. Um, I want to talk about a band that I know that you're super into, and um, something that's kind of funny, kind of pre-social networking. I know you're a huge Gotta Buy Voices fan. Um, yeah, it's it's disgusting, really. <laughs> so I got to work with them when I was at TVT Records. Um, and it was the first time I met Bob Pollard. I was doing college radio, and he, the only thing he said to me, he was shit-faced drunk. We're at Swift's in Lori's, or the village, and he's like, I want my record to go number one at college radio. That's all he said to me. <laughs> and I go, okay. Um, and it was super fun, um, you know, working. And then I think I had found out that you were a fan from Frosty on the message board. Are you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got, I sent a, do the iso, or do the collapse to Bob to sign a record for you, and then oh, no way. and then Frosty, wow. Frosty was gonna give it to you. Do you even have that, or do you remember that at all? If not, that's fine. <laughs> you know, I think I do have a signed digipack somewhere, and Frosty might have given it to me. Okay, I remember that. <laughs> so, no, I remember that. Because I remember, I remember Bob. Can I send this to you? There's a guy that's a huge fan. He's like, okay. <laughs> And then he sent it. It was just one, but it it took so long because it was like a message board. It wasn't you know a quick Facebook message or a text or a. 
You know? No, no, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that was kind of like on the cusp of that was on the cusp of everything really changing. Yeah, right there. At the, yeah. Um, but anyway, what do you like most about GBV? I had a college roommate that was a huge God of My Voices fan, and um, it was a joy to work with him and see the performance and the output of music. That's the thing I love about him. They just put tons of tunes out. Yeah, they did like three albums this year. Yeah. <laughs> and God knows how many like solo albums are in the wings yeah. ready to come out. Like, yeah, sort of. I, I, I guess I just like the uh, how... Uh, kind of like it's just like this beautiful you know uh, uh, slightly demented pop songs you know that are kind of like presented in a like a just the most beautifully broken kind of way you know mm-hmm. like it's just teetering everything's just I'm almost going to fall apart you know but, but it doesn't it holds it together and somehow everyone hits the last note on time and you know, it's just catchy. I don't know. It's just sort of like a. It's just a really. It's an interesting, interesting way to present like hooks. Mm-hmm. I think when when they're really cooking, when they when they're when um you know Bob and Tobin or or whatever iteration of GBV that you're listening to. I mean, when, when it's really working well, it's kind of it's um you know I mean there's there's like a it's just a really good mix of, of, of you know, of, of being just beautifully broken. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but, I, but it's so right on. But like, it's so right on. And they know what they're doing. Yeah. It's um, like, it's like that they're almost, you're right. It's, you're almost going to fall apart. But wow, that chorus was huge. <laughs> I mean, I always thought, I was just amazed by that song, Drag Days, that there was on Under the Bush, Son of the Stars, because I thought it was like just such a, a, like intelligently constructed song, mm-hmm. you know, it's like pretty much just this perfect thing. I mean, uh, whether or not, whether or not you think like the hooks are, are like, you know, it's, it's not call me maybe, yeah. but, but, <laughs> but, it, 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 but, but it's got like, this most, is this the most intelligently constructed like pop song that I've, you know, that, uh, that I've heard pretty much up until then, you know, like in, in, in just the right way, the right mixture of, 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 uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like a, I don't want to say a swagger to it, but like a, a, uh, uh, you know, just, just, you know, here, here, here it is, man. Mm-hmm. We don't care. Like we're, we're, you know, you know, we're doing this cause it's fun and here you go. And in another two so minutes, now, there's going to be another one. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> non-stop <laughs> um, that's cool yeah I just there I mean it's that's I mean the reason I brought it up too is that you know Bob's still going still putting out stuff um, and I think for you guys I mean lasting this long as a band many bands from there have broken up left come back together you know what's what's the kind of balance that you guys for you what's the secret is it it's you guys can get away enough and come back and every it's I just love to hear what you guys the the secret sauce. Yeah, I know. It's like for a while there was there was like I would get asked in interviews like, "Hey, everyone's pretty much broken up from your era." And like, well, we got Piebald, <laughs> but but now but now Piebald, but now Piebald broke up. So like, it's kind of yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, we were friends before we started the band. I, I've known the drummer um, Zach 
um, his mother was our preschool teacher, mm-hmm. which is bizarre to think of. But, um, you know, I mean, uh, I think we all have a, you know, just really healthy outlook on, um, on um, you know, being able to do what we do. It's It's totally... It's totally getting away with something, <laughs> you know. And we, we we appreciate like every second of it. I mean, you have to. It's it's kind of like if you're not if you're not just. I mean, none of us thought that we'd be. It, it was really only until maybe recording Chase this light that I thought like, hey, uh, I'm kind of doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of doing like this is sort of like a career. Is it a career? This is a sort of a job. Like I'm doing this. Wow. Like holy holy cow, I'm doing this, you know, like it's what I've been it's what I do. <laughs> like it's just bizarre to it's bizarre to think that. And I it's something that I never none of us ever thought we would be able to do. Um so I, I don't know, we're just grateful, I think, for, for being able to do that. And I think um I mean it's kind of like you guys have hit your stride. You've got We've also been incredibly lucky too. Well, I mean, I think, you know, Clarity being an amazing record and having people kind of gravitate to that and then having, you know, Bleed American kind of come out um, and, you know, have that little song. It was a, a, the A&R guy at TVT handed me the demo record that you sent around to all the labels. He's like, hey, you like this band. Here you go. And I was like, really? I was like, this thing's amazing. You know, and he's like, yeah, you know, no, no, no. But it was it was the... Uh, it was that. It was that kind of from wow. We sent right. I mean, you sent the record out, the record out everywhere, and then to have that happen. I mean, that's just that's like an amazing thing to happen. Oh yeah, and I mean, we 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 know that we're lucky. <laughs> we know we know we're extremely lucky. Yeah. Like we we just appreciate everything that that we're able to do. Definitely. Like when you're, I think mean, it. I mean, come on, man! Like it's it's rock and roll, and we get to get to play music. I mean, it's kind of you're gonna you're gonna foul that up with with like quitting, yeah, <laughs> or or thinking or thinking that like uh, you need to do your solo accordion record, or you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, is it? Are you on a cycle where it's like you've got happy family, you got everything, you know, is. Uh, you know, you've got a cycle where it's we've got all right, we're going to tour, we're going to do this, then take a year off. I mean, is that something you guys see continuing? It just seems like it's in such a good pattern, um, and that's not in a bad way. It just seems like the everything. Well, you know, it, I, I can see I can see how that might look from an outside perspective, but we never you don't really ever clock out of this gig. You know, there's 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 always something that you're doing. There's always something that you're working on. There's mm-hmm. always I mean, whether or not I mean, you have the satisfaction of of um, throwing it away in your own trash bin if it's, if it's no good. But I mean, you're always working on something. Um, and, uh, you, you know, I mean, the, it's just, it's just a, yeah, it does, it does take a little bit of time for us to, to, to get records out and stuff. But, we're but also on. too, I mean, with s- social media doesn't stop, you know, so that's something that you guys are always kind of, it's like that, that's, that's another one on top of it. Um, that you're always kind of up. To yeah, I mean, doing. well, we, yeah, I know. Of course, I mean, we just made an album, and it's you know, we're kind of um, 
finishing up artwork and stuff, and we're <laughs> we just had band practice yesterday where we were talking about writing new material. So it's kind of <laughs> you know, I mean, like it doesn't it doesn't stop. You never clock out. Yeah. Um, but it's that's that's the beauty of it. I mean, I don't you know. It's fun. Yeah, no, I mean that's <laughs> it's that's really fun. that's the. I mean, I think it is something that I, you know, I think people that listen to this podcast and people that are fans. I mean, I think they're happy. They're they're happy that the middle happened. They're happy that the you know clarity came out. They're happy that the last record came out. The invented and chases like they. It's like you're still out there, still doing it. I think if if you stopped, I think you know, I think obviously you guys would, um, you know, whatever situation, but. They think you've hit a stride where if you play, you know, Chicago, there's people showing up <laughs> and that's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, I see what you mean by that. I mean, there's definitely, um, I mean, we, there's a base level. I think, I think as long as, as long as we feel like you'll, you'll, you'll never, you'll never be able to predict what people are going to like. But I think like the, the great thing for us is that this entire time we've been pretty, pretty honest with ourselves as far about what we present musically is something that we're all proud of. And I mean, that's really the only thing you can control in this whole crazy world. Uh, just be proud of your work and, and, you know, be really honest with yourself as far as that goes. And I think the, the people who have found something in what we do, um, that they can relate to, or they can, you know, adapt to, you know, find something in for themselves. You know they, they appreciate that, and, and it, it, you know it, we've become successful with that method, and you know, we can do pretty much anything we want now. <laughs> you know Which I mean? is what any band yeah, wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't have to like, you don't have to, you don't have to follow up. Uh, you know the 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 uh, we don't have to follow up. Uh, the, the the runaway hit, you mm-hmm. know, with something that sounds exactly like it because it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I like you know, but, that. but at the same time, like, but in, in you know, in keeping a mindset like with what you're saying, like we can just continue to do what we do. I think that's the really that's the goal of, for for anyone. You know, I mean, the music you put out should enable you to continue to put out music. <laughs> Yeah. If you're honest with yourself, if you're honest with yourself about putting out the work that you're proud of, then there's no reason that can't happen. Mm-hmm. No, I agree, and I think you know everyone would say, you know, keep going, don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right. too, the with uh, you know, as as everyone gets older, the catalog gets deeper. It's harder and harder to play old songs. You know, any thoughts on you know set lists now as the catalog gets deeper? Is there any songs that you know you'd want to play, but don't because of that or just there's certain or there you know one guy in the band will say you know tom will be like no way we're not playing that or or is it just kind of you guys have um you're like we no, want to play the new no shit. I, don't, I don't know i mean like i think i think it's just kind of like whatever we're i mean you're always excited about the new shit your newest. yeah 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 i think anybody's like that so you're always excited about like hey just wrote the song man check it out like you're always excited about that <laughs> you want to share you want to share that but i mean I think the next time we tour, we'll probably have, you know, I mean, like tons of material. So, and, and I feel like we're at a point now where we should have most of it being able to, uh, you know, sub in on a nightly basis. Like, mm-hmm. That's just, uh, you know, in the past, we've kind of gotten locked into like, like 
two or three different kind of set lists with various changes, uh, you know, depending on what our mood was like. But but I, I really want to be able to mix it, mix things up like on a drastic scale. Um, and I think we can do that. You know, I mean, we're going to want to play new stuff, <laughs> but I think but I think we can. Um, I think we can do a longer show now and have it be okay and, and like mix in a whole lot of like you know stranger older stuff mm-hmm. cool I mean that's that kind of thing you guys can kind of pick and choose and say okay we didn't do this one last time we can do this it's instead of being like oh Jesus we just have to play our you know our whole last record because we don't we don't have enough time there's plenty of time so I think that's another great thing it's like a fan now going doesn't know okay what are they going to play next or what kind of deep cut or what's what a, what song off the last record that they didn't play on that tour kind of thing which I think is right. good for fans. Right. One thing we also want to do is kind of like start recording the shows and in, 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 um, having them uh, like available, uh, you know, so people can check it out. Oh, that's Whether awesome. Not... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's something we've been talking about doing. I'd love to nail down the logistics of that. I mean, it, it seems like it's getting easier and easier to do that. Um, with, uh, you know, like uh, the the... Did you design uh, the the did you design profile boards that a lot of people are carrying around uh, or a lot of people have in their house? Then mm-hmm. like you you can plug right into that and multi-track your your show. So you're thinking record the show and then oh, yeah, the yeah. next day the the next day have it available or something you know later on have okay here's the you know best of of this tour. Yeah, I don't know. I mean that, that's. Totally just shooting from the hip right now, but I mean that's something that like the technology is there, so mm-hmm. it'd be great to capitalize on that. And like, you know, I, I, as a music, we, we've always tried to make decisions about how we present our work as like from the perspective of music fans, and being able to to have a copy of the show that you were at and have it sound good is something that I would love as a music fan. When I see a, like a good show, mm-hmm. so. Um, I mean, whether you like him or not, like I think, uh, like Lincoln Park does a great job at that. Like you can go on the website. They have a great fan club. I, I can't. I can't believe it. Said you should go to Lincoln Park. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, think that, um, I think that's a first, Jim, for the podcast. Yeah. Well, I'm all about breaking down boundaries. You know, breaking down walls. Oh, it's yeah. all about piecing together in this man. But, but seriously, like they have, they have a great. It's not my thing. Mm-hmm. I will say that, but they have a great way that they respect their 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 fans. You know, like you can pretty much get any show they've ever done. Like, and, and, and there's no reason. Like, I don't know. I mean, like, I think everyone should do that. Yeah. Well, I think it was cool for the you know the Clarity Tour to have um, the live record available. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was important to us. We put a lot of work into that, and it was important to us to. You know, to do that, I don't think we'll. I don't think we'll be so amped up on anniversaries for albums in the future. But I don't know, maybe. Yeah, it's sort of like it is kind of a sham. Like as as, things, as time goes on, it's like, yeah, this man's album's ten years old. Yeah, this band's album's ten years old. It's kind of, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to milk that. But I mean, people are. Uh, we'll do something special for, for records, but. 
Yeah. Well, it was funny that I, I live near the Beacon Theater, and I walk by there a bunch to go to work and bike by it. Every time I look up, and it's like, this band's 45th anniversary of this record. I'm like, holy crap, or whatever it is. It's just like, how many times can they keep doing this? <laughs> oh, we're playing this album tonight. <laughs> it, it, yeah. yeah. It's, it feels like it's it's it, it's gone everywhere. <laughs> it's gone viral. <laughs> Italy. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. There was one thing from the 10th anniversary shows that um, I will embarrass myself, but I thought it was important. Um, the oh, I wanted the full version of Goodbye Sky Harbor. And I remember that there was some, I made some joke like petition or something um, and a bunch of people signed it. And I think Absolute Punk mentioned, it was one of these kind of funny things. I'm like, wow, I just did something. I wrote something down and now everyone's kind of, jumping on it <laughs> um and i remember zach like laughing about it on some live stream or i saw like a quote um were you guys conscious of that or were you because the because the the version you would play before would be you know five or six it'd have a little heavy like breakdown in it um but obviously you know for the anniversary shows it went on longer did you guys you know think about like god how long do we have to do this one or um did you think you were just going to play like the old version not the old version well, but the one that you did live yeah, I mean, I think, like, for us, there's been this process of, like, well, you have your, you know, you, your initial idea for a song, you know, it's on however you choose to document that, whether it's a multi-track recording, whether it's a, you know, dictaphone, or whether it's, like, a iPhone voice message now, mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever, sheet music, I don't know, however you document your new idea, and then it goes into, like, a... I mean, if you're working with other people, it goes into a collaboration kind of phase, a group editing phase, if you will, and then it becomes something else. And then, you know, you try to execute that in a way that you can present it for people, which is your recording. Then after that recording, I mean, if you're anything, if you're anybody like us, where we just kind of decide the recording is the, that's kind of the most important thing and it doesn't really matter. I mean, like, I don't know. People, people obsess about being able to document their performance. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, like we want to capture, we want to capture how it's going to be. Um, but I don't know. I've, I've always thought that's kind of it's silly to limit yourself if you want to if you if you want to hear other things. So uh, that's just me. I mean, you know, it, it, it works. It's basically a song by song sort of thing, but that's just me. More often than not, I'm, 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 I'm more often than not, I'm the uh, more is more type of guy. <laughs> um, but but uh, and so you do all that, and then after that, it's, you have to figure out how to play it again. So you you know kind of listen to stuff and 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 figure out what the most important hooks are and how you're going to cover them, and with adapting Goodbye Sky Harbor for, for, you know, initially when we were just doing clubs and stuff, I was like, well, let's flip it. Let's, there's no way we can perform this live because, you know, it's, it's 16 minutes long and, uh, <laughs> and there's no way. And we only have like two singers. So, uh, it's not going to happen. <laughs> um, how, how can we, how can we do it? And we just decided to flip the, the dynamics to where the quiet stuff was really loud and, um, you know, just kind of made like a five-minute adaption of it. And with the Clarity Tour, it was like, well, 
uh, was, you know, we wanted to be more faithful to the record, but we didn't want to make people sleep. sleep. Really thought we, it'd be boring. <laughs> yeah, people sit through the 13, you know, 60 minutes. Yeah. However long it is. A real tape, <laughs> a real tape worth of la la la, do 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 stuff. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, we kind of like, you know, it just, just. I called it the extended jam. I think you yeah. guys you guys jammed on it, and then that was it. And I think it was I, th- I think it was done well. Yeah, you know, sort of like the the most important parts of it where you can understand and get the the original concept, and then, um, but but not to, you know, man, you gotta like there's there's a cliche that is, you know, most that everybody in music would do well to pay heed to. It's leave while they're still clapping. <laughs> So yeah, ending on Goodbye Sky Harbor might be the might be yeah the you, yeah you don't want you don't want sixteen <laughs> la 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 la. <laughs> I could just picture that where everyone like there's one guy like like clapping. <laughs> hey, hey all right, bro. Hey. <laughs> yeah. No. You guys no, thought about no. it. <laughs> that was smart. <laughs> we tried. Yeah. No, you did. That was good. Um. I think too. I think um, you know, kind of those longer songs um, from Futures. You know, Twenty Three, Night Drive. Um, those are some you know really really great songs. Is that something that does that start on you know a jam, or is that something where you kind of just um, is it conscious to have it something kind of be that epic or sort of that crescendo? Um, no, it's really just like a. Uh, it's just a everything is a reaction to what you're hearing, you know? So if there's your initial idea, like I think with 23, um, I don't know. I write a lot of songs like where I start playing drums, which is funny, which is funny because like I'm ripping off. What ends up happening is, is, uh, Zach plays drums, (laughs) you know, to, to me ripping off him playing drums because <laughs> I, I, I'm horrible at playing drums but like I, but, you know just having like some sort of like loop like rhythm thing to play guitar you know can help you, know, you write riffs like, yeah yeah I think like uh, it might have been the beat that came first on that or the riff I don't know for 23 but like um, you know I don't know it's, it's always easier to, to react to something than to look at a blank page so yeah if you can, I mean, that's why I think you ask anybody who writes music on guitar will tell you that if they have a new effect pedal or if they slide the capo up and down on the neck, <laughs> like you write a new song, <laughs> that's the instant. That's the, you get a new toy and you write a song around that toy. Yep. Or you make a new tuning on your guitar, you write a song for that tuning. My downfall was and, drop D. Yeah. That yeah, was... I'm trying to get out of the drop D pitfall. But yeah, because it's just so easy. But you're like, I can't keep doing this. <laughs> I like, you know what? It, 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 I just like the, uh, I like the idea. I like the the full chord to hit open D. Yes. But and I also like doing the bar chord, like the A position bar chord, mm-hmm. like where you can hear, where you can hit like the lower octave of of the D string. But I don't like. But yeah, I, I, you know. Helmet can only take that so far. 
And they were helmet. Yeah, exactly. That's I mean, that's why I started doing it. It's like, well, I have to do start, stop, riffs, and drop D. That's what I just need to write. <laughs> and then it's like they kind of went, and it's like, oh, that's how far you or, – or prong, too. They, they, they kind of did it, but not to the – Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so you're, so you're trying to get out of drop D. I think there's a support group. I think it's uh, – I'm, I'm just kidding. I always I, – I, I <laughs> no, There should be. There should be. There should be a drop D support group. <laughs> Are Out you there. lazy about riffs? Yeah. <laughs> Drop D and on. Drop D and on. Well, I, if you'd want to start one, we can. We can see who's interested. Um, Dude, uh, <laughs> you probably look online and you see a Facebook page right now for Drop D and on. <laughs> You're right. You know, for um, real. Yeah. Um, I thought, too, I mean, something that a lot of people had asked on the message or not the message board, excuse me. I'm talking like it's makeout club, um, on the Facebook page about go, go big casino. Um, any more plans with that or. No, no. I mean, that, that started as like, I got asked to do a, like a solo show for, for a charity, like in 99. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I felt like just, super pretentious thing. Here's Jim Adkins. So, um, you just came up with a name. Yeah. So I decided to call it something and that, that was that. And, you know, you know, a bunch of songs got written underneath that. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think like I never throw anything away and you can always, you know, because you can always cannibalize your ideas for something. You never know when you're working on something and, and, uh, you know, you're stuck, but this older idea that you never ended up using just seems to work out perfectly. You mm-hmm. know, <laughs> actually a cannibalized, uh, early go big casino idea for a song that's going to be in our new album. Ah, so you never know where it's going to come. You from. never know <laughs> when, when something's going to, you should never throw anything away. Always keep a recording of everything you do. It's especially now that like so easy data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Memory is so cheap. You know, storage is so cheap, dude. Don't throw away anything. Just put it away. You know, be Neil Young. Update your drives every three years. (laughs) Well, I think a lot of fans love that you. You know, either officially or not officially, have demo versions of songs. Um. I think a lot of people like to kind of see the difference between certain ones. Yeah, I mean that's a music fan thing for me. I love hearing like early versions of of, uh, of tunes. Yeah, I think so you know. I think I think cool the Futures to... record was awesome to hear the side by side. Oh, cool! Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we we have our own uh, uh, like rehearsal space slash studio um, in Arizona here, and we've. We're big on demoing and redemoing. You know, like for if, if if there's a if if someone has an idea that they think is is valid that will take the song in a completely different direction, we'll just record it from scratch again. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter. We'll just do it. Um, yeah, I mean, because like it, that's the only way to really tell. It's the only way. I mean, you can you can get only so far with like even. I, I think I'm pretty good at digitally editing and moving around, but. You can only get so far before the feel is just so wrong, mm-hmm. you know, it, where it's not 
where it's only academic and you have to, you know, there's no way around it. You don't know unless you cut it again, you know, with the feel that's changed. So, um, you know, I think with, with a lot of stuff from teachers, I mean, there was, there was stuff that was like starting with features actually and then everything since then I mean things get demoed like five or six times <laughs> before 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 we end up on a um on a um a final arrangement uh you know uh, uh production trajectory. Well, I mean, too, I mean, some of those, like, features, you know, I think Shame was left off, which is a great song. O Open Bar Reception with Chase This Light, which is, like, a huge request for the emo night that we do in New York City. Um, people love that song. Oh, really? Yeah. That, oh, wow. Yeah, it always gets someone to come up and be like, is this Jimmy Eat World? I'm like, yeah. They're like, holy crap. Like, <laughs> so, you know, I think... I always that, like that song. I always like that song. It's kind of... My personal request for the upcoming tour, add that song to the set list. I'm telling you, people are going to be soaked on it. <laughs> it's a party. It is. You know, it's funny. It's like our, our, um, our, um, I mean, Zach cut the drums to that. Like, I, I put down some weirdo, like, uh, uh, really sketchy kind of drums, and he cut drums, I think, like, 157 overhead <laughs> and that's that's what's on the album that's what's on the, that version that you probably have mm -hmm. like, <laughs> like i don't know it's just, it's just funny sometimes like i think that the whole idea about recording and and being precious about sound is kind of I mean, excuse your ears you know if something sounds cool go with it if something doesn't sound cool change it yeah you know you don't really have to know you don't have to know uh, i mean i don't know Knowing the rules, knowing the rules to to audio engineering helps you understand what you know how you can push yourself to break them. But it's no big deal if you just start off breaking all the rules. <laughs> like, no, I mean, use your ears. If something sounds cool, keep keep at it. If something doesn't sound cool, change. It's like uh, it's like it's like the 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 uh, uh Cusack movie. High fidelity. That one crazy power. Not one crazy summer. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, go that way. Somebody gets in the way, turn. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking too. I mean, the band The Michelle Gun Elephant. They they recorded with one mic in the middle of the room, and that's the better off dead. Better off. Yeah. Dead. Better off dead. Oh, better off sorry, dead. No, no, that's fine. That would have bugged. Yeah, elephant. <laughs> sorry, sorry, not your elephant story, but that would have bugged me all night if I couldn't remember. Better off dead. <laughs> so. <laughs> Sorry, but yeah, Elephant, like, those guys are awesome, man. Diego, Diego is like... But it's like one awesome. mic, and it sounds great, and you're like, okay, well, that works, and it works for you guys. <laughs> um, sure. So, uh, well, I think I think you should add Open Bar Reception. Um, feel free to bring that back to the band. Um, one person will be stoked, um, and the five other people that hear it <laughs> and be like, what the hell is this? Um, yeah, I think, like... Yeah, I mean, like, I really want to get, like, a, like just a ton of older stuff ready to go or, like, less played stuff ready to go and, like, pepper in that stuff every night. It happens. Because it kind of breaks it up a little bit. Just, I mean, for you guys, too, it's not like the, you know, the sort of, not going through the motions, but you're like, whoa, this is changing up tonight. We need to kind of keep you on your toes almost. Yeah, to do stuff that really scares the hell out of you. <laughs> 
you have to. Um, I, I think too. I mean, I wanted to kind of talk about the future, um, and I think a lot of people are interested. I mean, um, is there anyone that you'd want to? collaborate with i know the taylor swift thing was pretty impressive um um that i saw online um is there you know any Dude, more? yeah how crazy is that it was I, I was blown away i was like wait a minute i did i read this headline correct <laughs> that's so badass how did that how did you get up on that stage <laughs> how did i come to how did i come to play with her or how did i physically get up on stage well, i figured you walked up on those, stage. Are two, those are two great stories each <laughs> Okay, I'll, I'll take. How do you get? How do you connect with uh, uh, Miss Swift? Her people talk to my people. Ah. Um, they said they like her management company, which I think is her dad. Like she has the most insane setup. Insane, absolutely <laughs> insane. Totally smart. Totally, I mean, like, yeah, insane, but totally smart. <laughs> I mean, like, she has her own, uh, she has her own bus company. Wow. She, she is her own bus company, her own trucking company, her own booking agent, her own management company. She's pretty much everything except for her la- own label. And then plus she has, like, her, her crazy-ass Revlon uh, endorsements and stuff. But, but, I mean, like, she's, like, super, super smart. For, like on a business level, she's super, super smart. And she's like, um, there's a girl who goes to, uh, um, and, and, and like, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm sure this is the first time that you've had like discussions about like praise for Linkin Park and Taylor Swift on your podcast. But, like, <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> but seriously, uh, um, yeah, I'm just about breaking down boundaries. Now. <laughs> you know, but, but but seriously, okay, so um, there's a girl who goes to uh, the school that my youngest son goes to who has um, – oh, it's in remission right now, but she had, like, some pretty gnarly cancer, um, you know, like, like a young young child. And um, when I found out about I – mean, I, I knew that she was, like a, like, a super fan of Taylor Swift, and when – I found out I was going to be playing. It was like, you know, me and my wife, like, we're, we're, we decided, like, uh, do you guys want tickets? <laughs> do you know you want to come and see the show? And she, Taylor Swift had already reached out to her family um, through the, uh, you know, that, that uh, Ronin, uh, Ronin Rockstar Foundation. Yes. The, the Ronin thing. She, in fact, she, she wrote a song about like that 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 was a that was a, another kid in our community who died from cancer, and um, and uh, um, they were affiliated like the the the, the parents who uh, they were affiliated with like that group, and she reached out to them, and they already had tickets. They already had the most exclusive, crazy package, you know, <laughs> where you can come see and hang out with Taylor Swift. You know, it was it was, you know. It, she made she made a, an outgoing attempt to do that before I'd even thought about it. Wow! You know, so she's she has her act together as a business person, and she has her act together way more than you know on an ethical level, more than a lot of punk rocker people have. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, just doing those little things that, you know, maybe they only know about. Um, and totally, yeah, and it shouldn't, shouldn't, yeah, yeah, there's no press release about that crap, but, like, that happened. Like, she hooked a little girl up who was going through chemo, you know, and, and had one of the most amazing nights that she'll never forget, you know? And on top of everything else, like, she's doing great now. Like That's so, great. Yeah, it's pretty rad. I mean, but, but, but uh, you know, to get back to a lighter... Nope. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I ended up on stage through the ground floor, like on an elevator, with smoke and like yes, all sorts of crap. <laughs> that was awesome. It was a total. She has, like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Is that I mean, is like, that for has, set like... changes and stuff? No, it's just for because. That's oh, awesome. Just because. It's because. It's just because. because she can. <laughs> Her crew is pretty much like I think when Metallica is off, like she has their whole crew. Wow! Like setting up gnarly, uh, you know, stages everywhere. So you came up on an elevator with smoke. Yeah, it it sort of brings it full circle into the the quiet ride, you know, kind of. <laughs> it totally stage, does. Like, you know? <laughs> it's not. Given this entire conversation, it's really not all that you know, out of character to want to rise from the depths of uh, smoke <laughs> in on a catwalk yes. in front of an arena. <laughs> was that, was that, yeah. was that totally fun to play? Um, I mean, obviously being oh, yeah. such a different oh, yeah, audience, totally. but they all knew the song. I'm sure most of them. They, they sort of did. I think. I don't know. I got a whole lot of credit on the street after that. <laughs> Yes, you did. The, the neighborhood, the, the neighborhood girls like who came to the show, like they all of a sudden, oh yeah, I can do this. That's cool. <laughs> You're like, man, I've been doing this funny. forever. <laughs> no, it's funny. Um, is there anyone else that you want to do anything with or, or sing with? I think like Scott uh, uh, from Fry from Rabbit. To do, do I'd love to work with uh, Jim Ward. We've kind of like been going back and forth over the years about like uh, you know having a little project called the Gyms with a Z, um, but we haven't found any other gym people we really dig to be in the band. <laughs> yeah, we got to so find more of, gyms. <laughs> yeah, we need more gyms. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's. I love, I just love playing. I love playing. I love working on music. Like it's, it's kind of, I, I, you never know what's going to come up. Yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, that's what kind of the thing. It's like you're, you listed off a couple, but then, you know, tomorrow your manager could call and say, Hey, well this person, this, this, and this, and then this whole rabbit hole, you know, thing happens where something else comes about. So yeah, that makes sense. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. That'd be fun. <laughs> Yeah, that uh, sounds great. Um, and then just a few kind of more just kind of about the future. I mean, you have an old model of your Telecaster, which is pretty badass. I know, um, is that nuts? That is pretty it's badass. So I can't afford one. Um, wait, no, wait, did I get it for it? I don't know if I could. I think when I was, I think when it came out, I was like, holy crap. I was making no money, you know, in the, in the music biz. So I was, I had no money. I think but... it's like, <laughs> I think you can get it. I think you can pick up the exact thing that I play for like 700 bucks. Oh, okay. It's gone down then. Thank you, Fender. Thank you. <laughs> well, that was sort of the point. That was sort of the point of that. Like, I didn't. I mean, I wanted to make it like something that I would play, or that something that like someone could get. You know, it's just 
Well, yeah, it was probably not. It was probably not someone's first guitar, but maybe their second or third. I don't yeah. Know. How did that come you about? Know. Was it something that they reached out to you and? Well, Fender, Fender, uh, their main headquarters is here in Arizona, in Scottsdale. Mm-hmm. Like, actually, not too far from our studio, from our our practice place. And um, a buddy of mine, uh, a guy named Jeff Livingston, uh, plays who's like in San Diego now playing in bands. He uh, is like, hey man, you should check out this guitar. It was like the 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 TC90, which is like a double cutaway, glue on neck. Telecaster with P90s, and um, I was like, "Hey, this is pretty cool." I, I, I mean, the only person I've ever seen play uh, a third body or a glue-on neck tele um, was in Smoking Popes, and he got that like a like, crazy custom shot. Um, and but, but I wrote back to him like, "You know what? It would be cool. Like, can you make this with like a you know." You know, I play Les Paul, so can you make the, the pickups, you know, with a separate tone and volume and a toggle on the horn instead of, like, by the, the traditional, like, you know, down by the uh, knobs? Which I always hit with my with my hand. Yeah, yeah, which, which, which you always knock off the, the, the knob and then lacerate your hand when yes. you're switching pickups. <laughs> which, which basically just lives with a piece of duct tape on it. Yes. Um so like he was like you know what dude just come in let's let's figure something out like let's do a guitar and so I came in like okay and it just kind of went back and forth and did some prototypes and found you know just I don't know that's came awesome up with, with what what is now the J A ninety oh nice J A ninety I know it's, it's so weird and then kept it too I mean we're not like. I mean, I guess we do okay, but we're not, like, I'm not, like, Ingve and Malmsteen. Like, there's not, like, you know, I'm not, like, yeah. a guitar player that's that's shredding. I'm not Shreddy Kruger yes. out there out there evangelizing for, for you know, you know, on the cover of Guitar World or whatever. Your guitar doesn't um, have scalloped frets, which Ingve's does. Well, no, but you know what I mean, though. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, we're no, not, I do. We're, we're, I do. We do okay, but we're not, yeah. like... Yeah, I'm you're not, not flash. Yeah, I can't have my own signature model flash that's around for. I don't know. I guess like it's doing okay. <laughs> that's so, great, and I'm proud of it. Nice. Hey, it's quickly, have you seen Ingve Malmsteen before live? I've never seen Ingve Malmsteen live. It's if you ever do, he in between his songs, the lead singer comes out and sings his songs. He goes back behind the stage and has a mirror and does his hair. It's amazing. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh man. That, I would I would I would pay like double if there was a cam on him and like that was broadcast so like you'd see him doing his hair. Yes, that was the only thing I remember from the show. Him doing his hair, like just long, like braid or long uh, blonde hair. Just oh, it was awesome. <laughs> so, just as long as I hear the Queen is in love. Yes, live it's once in my life. I want to hear the Queen is in love. That's awesome. Um, hey, and, that's another first. Ingve Malmsteen lyrics sung live this, on your podcast. This that's is another a, first. This is unbelievable. <laughs> this is fantastic. No, this breaking, is... we're just breaking down boundaries here. <laughs> um, about piecing togetherness. And then I'd love to kind of talk about the new record. Um, and, yeah, yeah, sure. And I, you know, kind of talking about what, what was obviously everyone asks, you know, what was different. But I think 
being that most of the people listening to this know what all the records sound like, they know Mark Trombino, they know the Butch Vig, you know, I'd love to kind of talk about, you know, the new person that you worked with and what was kind of different about it. And the only thing I've kind of heard, and maybe it was an interview that you did, I heard it's kind of grittier. But that's obviously, that's one word out of a million that you could have picked, so. Well, we wanted to change it up. You know, we did our last couple of records at our spot, and, um, you know, we felt like we wanted to sequester ourselves in an in a environment where that's all we had to think about. Mm-hmm. And the only way to do that was either get hotels and work out of our spot in town or leave town. And, um, um, uh, uh, a guy named Alan Johannes, uh, who was in a band called Eleven for a long time, and uh, sort of like he's kind of in like the Foo Fighters, Queens of the Stone Age camp, uh, as, as far as like uh, how most people would know him, mm-hmm. I think, you know. But but he, he also is like a you know solo artist and really one of those dudes you hate as a musician because he can pick up anything and just start shredding and play really well at it. Even if it's like his first time picking something up, he'll just pick it up and shred. You're like, ah, not too, not too, really. But, you know, just an amazing sense of musicianship. And he's been like, um, cutting records, like producing and engineering for a really long time, but also, you know, like he knows the rules, but doesn't care so much about following them. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like we, we cut our record at his house, like all of our amps were in his bedroom. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Which, which is a, uh, he has an insane amount of patience for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we just cut it, we cut it at his house, like, you know, it's sort of, uh, um, was it yeah, something that you I, kind of I, felt that you felt comfortable? Was it, did it feel different? Was it, was it that, was it that the being with him or kind of having him mention oh, things yeah. or? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the point of it was to let go, you know, cause I didn't want an engineer. I wanted to just like, like perform and not think about, you know, the, the that aspect of the whole recording process. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having having someone else that can produce an engineer, um, uh, you know, controlling everything was 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 big. And yeah, I mean, you know, we did we did a lot of things we haven't done in a long time. Like we printed tape. Um, there's pretty much no. Um, there's pretty much no editing. There's a lot of comping, but there's no like. Uh, digital trickery mm-hmm. <laughs> for lack of a better way to, to, you know, I don't know. Like one thing I think uh, that I definitely a trap I've fallen into is kind of um, using computer stuff to, to, to get my idea across. is kind of like, and, but, but not but being kind of lazy on following through to, to redo it like mm-hmm. in an organic way, just cause it sounds fine, but it doesn't, <laughs> you know, you gotta do it again. You gotta, you gotta like do it as an original, like an organic composition and perform. And, um, you know, that's pretty much all we did there was, you know, just, I, I, I sing three times for a song. We'd comp that 
you know, for anyone not listening, or for anyone listening that doesn't know what that means, it means like taking this section of a song from this take and, and putting it on this section from another song. Um, it's, it's pretty much, you know, just kind of taking the best from each performance and putting it all in one one track, so that's what you hear. Um, but, yeah, but, but no, like, pitch corrective software, no no beat detective, no, I mean, it was, it's really like the closest thing to a, uh, like a, a sad prevails recording that we've done in a really long time. Mm-hmm. And cause was, was static done that, that same way or was it, you know, oh, just static because... was all the, static was all the tape. Wow. It was all the 24 track tape. Clarity was, the drums and bass were on tape and everything else was on Pro Tools and Pro Tools chased the tape when we were mixing. <laughs> then, well, it's like, like when you play back the tape, there's the, on the 24th track is empty. It's like a time code thing. Mm-hmm. So the computer can talk to the tape and play back the things you recorded on computer along with the things that were off the tape. And then all that, yeah, and then all that goes through your your mixing console to your master two track that you're printing to, which could be in some cases a dat <laughs> or or in other cases like a half inch you know tape mm-hmm. or or just print it back into Pro Tools and have it at whatever um your um your session was, you know, whatever specs your session was created. Wow. So the, did it feel, I mean, obviously it didn't feel like Static Prevail's recording, but it must have, you know, was you needed to, you needed to keep doing it right. You needed to keep playing the oh, song. Oh, honestly. Well, no, not really. <laughs> not really. I mean, we didn't, there's, we seriously, like, I mean, we only played songs probably like, we only played or sang things three times and just picked the best one from that. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're going to hear. And then any other kind of tidbits from it? Is it obviously, you know, um, you know, nothing you have to give away or anything, but just feeling, is it obviously every new record is, you know, this is our, you know, favorite and things, but it it does seem different this time. It's kind of going back to square one a little bit. Yeah. It, it, it's sort of, um, I don't know. I guess it's sort of a, a lonely kind of record. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, does, it does feel like um, you know maybe part of the process of of recording that way um, just helps sort of foster that kind of emotion for it. But like um, you know, just kind of like us. I mean, I don't know. In a way, it's 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 kind of how we've always made records. Like just us in a room, and I mean, I, I don't know how people record, I, I, I can only speak for myself. I've been in studio situations with other people, uh, you know, infrequently, but I can only speak for like our method. And it's not unlike any other time we've recorded where it's like us in a room and that's it. Yeah. You know, often the people we've chosen to be in on the, on the project, but that's it. There's no, there's no, um, there's no person looking over your shoulder, you know, and telling you that, you know, you need more, 
uh, cowbell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or, or that the chorus isn't popping enough. I mean, there's no, it's just all, you know, we know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've been left alone. We've been so fortunate that we've been left alone to figure it out on like on our own. That's so huge. <laughs> Instead of having a guy oh, come in and say, well, I think you should make that chorus 30 seconds, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like <laughs> when we were cutting clarity air in our guy for capital came by at once. And that was the day that Billboard was taking pictures. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I thought, oh, what a shoes look like that. But, but now I realize, like, he's the best A&R guy. Like, <laughs> it was that time. <laughs> because he's just like, he just loves, he just loves your stuff. Yeah. yeah. I think for me, this is, I think for me, this is heaven needs another chorus. You know, it's like, what? <laughs> no, go away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is pretty good. But if you thought about Will I Am having a rap <laughs> on this section. <laughs> well, I know because they always start hey, with don't a laugh, compliment. Don't laugh, man. Don't laugh. That's happened. <laughs> oh no! I just like that they start it with a compliment. They're like, you know, it sounds great, but <laughs> that's the ultimate. That's the ultimate thing. Like when you're doing a video, like a video shoot. That's perfect. One more time. <laughs> the top. Um, the. Uh... Well, I think too. I mean, wait, did you guys have a video with some sports stuff in it? I'm trying to remember if you guys did. The Rockstar we, video. We did. Yeah, we did. Are you guys all huge? Well, no, 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 no. It was, it was for Lucky Never Met, actually. It was Lucky Never Met. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, are you guys huge in the sports? Is it something that you guys try to do to come We're, we're huge in the frisbee golf. Frisbee golf. That's huge. <laughs> no, I. That video came about because um, we made clarity, and um, we weren't getting uh, any sort of feedback from the label, and it seems like the label was sort of in turmoil. And I think it was right about the time that um, Gary Gersh left Capitol, uh, and I don't know, we never really like you know that big a priority for them, but. Um, what happened was like so our AR guys, um he, he had the idea that well we should probably do like an E P or something to kind of help set up the record. Because like we're not getting any traction on the release date because no one knows who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the truth, you know. I mean yeah. like again, we had no business. I mean there was nobody waiting for clarity to come out when it came out. Um other than maybe the 4,000 people who bought Static Reveals and the other 3,000 people who bought our seven inches. Um, so we did an EP. We're lucky to have a couple songs in the record. That's, that was what the uh, Feel by Ramen yep. release is. And uh, a couple songs that didn't make it onto the record and uh, a couple songs from Clarity. And then all of a sudden, K-Rock added Lucky Denver Mint in L.A., like one of the most influential commercial alternative stations in the country. And so Capital, like, all of a sudden we got a release date. <laughs> all of a sudden, like... Uh, Video budget. Um, yeah, Drew Barrymore decided she wanted to put that song in a movie that she was doing the executive producing the soundtrack. Never for. Been Kissed. Yeah, Never Been Kissed. And uh, I think we flew... We were, like playing for nobody in Fargo 
uh, and we got on a plane and flew to LA and cut that video with the dude with Darren Down, who we knew yes. did uh, uh, the promise ring, a couple of promise ring videos. Yep. Super, super awesome guy, super funny guy. Um, and that, we just showed up and you know we talked to him once maybe on the phone about his concept for it and like uh, you know we we never done anything like this before. <laughs> I mean, we made we made the, the video for Rockstar, which is you know a, a performance based kind of thing. But like, uh, we had no idea. <laughs> so we just showed up and like that was that's what happened. That's so crazy. I love you. I didn't know. You, I forgot you did that with Darren Doan. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, well, I think too. I mean, I, I want to you know don't want to keep you all night. I want to find out um, kind of what's next for you personally. I mean, is it something that you know, the band, you got three boys to raise, um, and, you know, kind of, uh, is there anything, you know, next for you? I think it's just trying to do right by our next record, you know? I mean, yeah. we're really proud of the work we've done, and I think, like, the artwork is starting to come together. All those, like, last-minute final touches that, that kind of, um, I don't know, help define what, what the record is. Well, they're starting to happen. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's pretty much the most important thing for us right now. And then what kind of what, what have you most enjoyed about this whole ride? Um, you know, this whole thing from kind of beginning to What was kind of the most enjoyable thing as you kind of look back? I don't know. That's, that's a tough question. I think uh, I'm I'm grateful for for every minute I get to do what I love to do. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's, uh, it's just awesome. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's I, a good I, answer. I, no, cause you're sort of looking forward rather than looking back. You're like, everything I've done for to, is moving forward. It's, it's not, it's not an attitude that I always had. It's something that kind of like, because I was always in disbelief that I was, I was always sort of putting off, um, accepting the the gratitude, you know, I was always like sort of waiting for it to all end instead of being happy for every second. And I think like the, when you're, uh, you know, I mean, it's a it's a subtle difference, but it, it makes all the difference. And then I guess too, I mean, if anyone would, if what would you like someone to say when they look back at the work of of all of of the band you know would you want to what was there anything that you would be like man i hope someone says this or well i know i just hope that like i mean honestly i don't expect even our most hardcore fan to love everything that we do that's unrealistic it's not going to happen i don't uh, it's not something I'm, it's not the approval i'm chasing i think like um I don't know, just the biggest compliment that anyone, the, the biggest, like, lasting thing that anyone can, can give you is uh, just that they found something in what you do that they can, they've made their own. Um, and that could be as simple as a lyric in a song or it could be as complex as, like, you know, a stretch of years or, in, you know, show. I, I don't know. I mean, I think... Uh, just having someone be able to find something in what we do 
that they've made their own and connected with, I, I, that's just the hugest thing. Um, it's not necessarily something we're chasing, but it's a great, it definitely feels good when that happens, when someone tells you that. Super funny story. Yeah. Um, so Eric had just moved to, to New York, I think when he was 22 or 23. And uh, I think he's, he's maybe a year older than me, but I was in New York. And uh, we were doing a, a photo shoot the next day uh, for 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 uh, clarity for like the, with, uh, with Chrissy, Crazy Pepper. And uh, we were at, oh, man, some bar, like 7th and Avenue A. 7A? Or no, it was, the, oh, uh, Dimfas? Dimfas? Yeah, one of those I don't over know. there. Yeah, one of those over there. <laughs> but it was, it was sort of like, for some reason, like, Eric thought that, like, um, that uh, the, the candles on the table were plastic, and he threw one at me. <laughs> And it, it like it like smashed into my nose and like I was like bleeding. I was like, like it's amazing being kicked out of there because I was just like bleeding from my nose. And the next day I had to do it. The next day I had a photo shoot and uh, yeah, if you look closely on the Clarity like the back cover, if you have the album or whatever, like I have like some, I have like a fresh cut on my nose and that's from Eric. Oh no shit! <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah, yeah, I owe him one. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Oh yeah, of course. I mean, it was, it was super cool, like, um, just like driving around or running, listening to like like Chris and Eric and you know Davey and everyone talk about those days. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's 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 bizarre that like people that that I mean, there's this forum for this. There's a forum for like that insane, really really small niche. When it comes down to it, I mean, seriously. It was it was like uh, we did a show with Chrissy Grant Drive in Minneapolis, and there was maybe fifteen people there, and we we're like, uh, it was like so miserable out. It was like in the summer and so hot, and we 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 set up all of our shit on the floor, and they played two songs, and then we played two songs, and then they played two songs. <laughs> it was the most annoying thing I think for anyone who was at that show. Wow. Because, like, what the fuck is this? But, I mean, like, we would just... I mean, that's the kind of thing, like, where... That's the kind of thing, like, where all this comes from. It's like this... Really? You want to talk about that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, but it's but it's super cool that, like, you're... That, that, um, that you have this, that you're, like, uh, you know, looking into it all. Because I think, like, there there was... There was something there was about some, like, it. There was yeah, there was like this moment of like it is sort of like a for me anyway. It's a, it's a it's a you know it's a strange crossing over between the the uh, uh, I heard about this band because I've read a review of MRR 
over to like our band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like that, that period of time like where it was just at the cusp of all that going away. The the complete the book your own fucking life was was going away and the the uh I need your show in Pittsburgh, write me back and you getting fifty replies like you know was coming in. So it was kind of like this weird time, like it was right on the cusp of like all this transition of of uh, being able to, with one click, be your own worldwide distributor of your own music. You know, it's like a really strange, empowering time, like where people were the last rows of people, you know, people needing help to empower themselves. Yeah, and it's well, it's also the you're right. It's that it's that one click, and you're you're done. And, and I think. I mean, I didn't have a cell phone in college. And, you know, you went to the show and you watched. Like, I look at photos of shows back then, and it's like everyone's watching the band. Um, it's... Oh, yeah. I mean, we had a, we had a beeper. <laughs> yeah. You had a beeper. <laughs> we, had a beeper. we had a beeper because, like, that, that's how we could, you know, we would tour, we'd pull over, we were close to town, and on a payphone somewhere, called the, the kid who whose house we were playing at. And get directions to their house <laughs> or the the club or whatever, you know, like it's just like a we get on a dollar like you know, you know, on the street and, and uh you know, being like on a, one of those modded dialers that that um Braid would do. I'm sure Eric told you about. <laughs> and I think it was is Eric or, or or I think that it was Bob or Bob or um Chris Broach were mentioning about it too. Oh yeah, that was the thing. Like, if there's one thing I could add to our whole conversation, it was like the dialer. Yeah, the dialer. The dialer was this most amazing hack. It was like <laughs> this Radio Shack, the Radio Shack thing. For people who had like rotary phones back when people had phones in their house, landlines, kids, there was a rotary. You know, you had your rotary phone, and if you're trying to order, like you know, push number three to access. English. You couldn't do that. So you had to have the dialer, which would simulate the tone of you pushing three. Some kid, I don't know who it was. I'd be really, really curious to figure out who invented this mod. They figured out you could buy some sort of chip and mod it into your Radio Shack dialer. And that would simulate the sound. It would raise the pitch of these things to where you, you could just pick up a payphone and it would simulate the sound that uh, the operator would hear of you getting quarters into the phone. So That's so crazy. On any payphone, on any payphone like, you could just pick up and call and, and say, please insert $1.75 to hit like star 25 on um, six lines or whatever. And you would have enough money to call. Yeah, That's and so then crazy. continue to talk, and it would prompt you to enter in more money. And then you put the dollar up to the phone receiver and enter in the code that sounded like uh, quarters <laughs> dropped into the phone, and it would work. Was that in twenty six hundred that? That that magazine that's still around was it was it in that the, for the first time maybe not but I remember kind of thinking that would be the place where it would live I I I don't know where it came about yeah 
fight and saved our ass <laughs> over and over and over. So you pull into town and <laughs> use the dialer to call the kid to <laughs> figure out directions on how to get to the, where the show was. Hope to God he was home when you called, or she actually called. <laughs> like make your way into town. I think about that all the time. Like, I would, how did we ever meet up with anybody? Hey, I'll meet you at the mall at four. Everyone was there. Like, you just. You had to be there. There's no flagging. Yeah. I'm on my way. I had to be there at four. Yeah, we said four. You had to be there at four, or you had to be the guy who wasn't there at four. And then you didn't, and then you didn't, and then you didn't get to go see Spider Man or whatever. And then all your friends, all your friends thought you were lame because you weren't there at four. Yeah, there's that responsibility. You had to be there at four. Yeah. Otherwise, you were the guy who wasn't there at four. And your friends, like, you know, there's social justice in not being there at four. To get back to, like, your earlier question about, about like, you know, people getting back together, it wasn't because, like, all that, that time wasn't that great. Because a lot of times, like, you're, you know, you drove all day to play for four people, including bar staff. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, or, or you know, you know, they'd sleep on their head on the toilet at the goat house. <laughs> so, and that was not fun. Um, but, uh, you know, it was a unique experience. It's all rock and roll, man. It's all rock and roll. <laughs> Sweet.